up next on Walking by Faith. You say for a blessing, all right? You speak it. But the same thing, you need to speak to that curse. And you say, by the power of the blood of Jesus, I have faith in that blood that it redeemed me, and I break that curse in Jesus' name. Hello, I want to welcome you today to Walking by Faith. Thank you for being with us. I am excited you've joined us. Today we're going to talk about blessing and cursing. Now, so often as Christians we think about blessing, but the Bible also talks about a curse. In fact, it only took three chapters in the book of Genesis to get to the place where we find the first curse. Now, most of us are totally ignorant about a curse, how to break a curse. And the Bible tells us very, very plainly how to break a curse, where our faith needs to be and what our faith needs to be in. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. You've been redeemed. That curse is broken, but we need to put our faith in what He did for us. I want you to join me right now as we connect with this message right as it begins. Today I want to talk to you about how to break a curse and how to receive a blessing. How to break a curse, how to receive a blessing. Now, both in Greek and Hebrew, uh, curse means to doom, to make light of, to devote to destruction, to bind or to bring low. Now, in Western culture today, we do not even really think about curses, but they're very, very real. Let me remind you, you just get to Genesis chapter 3, and there's a curse on the ground. There's a curse that comes on Eve, her descendants, where her pain will be greatly increased in childbearing. And, and Becca, I know you're here. You're due today. Sorry to have to say that. Um, the, 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 the Old Testament, the last phrase in the last verse is, at least I strike the earth with a curse. All right? Uh, you go to the book of Revelation, the last chapter, two of the last four verses are a curse. Curses are very, very real. Right? The Bible tells us in Galatians 3 and 13, and we're going to end with this, but it says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Right? So, so curses are very, very real. We, we tend to want blessings, but not curses. But both are real. Right? Now, very often... Curses are generational. Right? Um, they can look, you say, what does it look like? There's a lot of different ways that it can look, but some of those that are generational tend to look like this family destruction, divorce, poverty, fear, failure, dread, addictions, um, alcohol, drugs, sin patterns, uh, domestic violence, sloth, child abuse, sexual abuse are all things that can literally pass generationally, right? Now, the book of, of Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, has over 50 verses of nothing but a curse that comes as a result of breaking the law, right? So curses can come because of our, our behavior. Kind of look at it like this. A curse is basically, it's a penalty, 
If you get in your car today, get on 131, go north or south, I don't care which direction, for the next two hours, drive at 100 miles an hour. How many of you know there will be a penalty? There's going to be a penalty because you broke the law. Some curses come as a result of breaking a law. Others literally pass generationally. Let me give you an example of this. In Exodus chapter 20, it says, uh, when I was actually brought up in a church where we read this part of this chapter every single Sunday. You know, it's the Ten Commandments. And the first commandment, you shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Now, God says he visits the iniquities. Now, the word iniquity means to be bent, to have a proclivity towards. In other words, every one of us, there's not a person here that this is not true about, all right? Listen, the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Who has iniquity? Everybody say all. The iniquity of us all. But it says that iniquities are visited to the third and fourth generation. So you'll have a proclivity. You'll be bent in a certain way. You might be bent towards addiction. You might be bent towards sexual sin. You might be bent towards depression. But you'll have a bent in your life towards a certain sin or a thing. It's in Proverbs 26 in verse 2. says, so a curse without a cause does not alight or does not come. I think you've all, all of us have had this. We're, we're in a house, we're in a room, and all of a sudden we sense a draft. Right? You sense that current's going by. Well, what it means is there's a door open or there's a window open someplace, something's open, right? And that's why that draft is there. Now, whenever there's a curse, there is a reason for that curse to be there, right? Now, the curses can come, again, on places. They can come on families, people. They can even come on an entire nation. They can come on a, on a city. Uh, it's in Ephesians chapter 6 where it says, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, you go to a city. Often you can even tell the spirit that's in control of that city. I mean, you know, you go to Hollywood, L.A., you know what spirit's out there? It doesn't take long to figure it out, right? You, you go to New York City. And it doesn't take long before you realize that it is a spirit of greed that is dominant inside the city of New York, right? Uh, it's, I think it's interesting that in the past, churches, particularly churches that was built in the 1950s and before, almost all had steeples, right? I've had people ask, why don't we have a steeple on our church? Well, the reason they put steeples on churches, listen, was not to put a bell in. The reason that steeples were originally put on churches so that the church would be the tallest building in the city because it was believed that the tallest building in the city represented the spirit that had control over the city. In Europe, a few hundred years ago, in many places they had laws that no building could be built taller than the church steeple because they wanted the church to have dominion. You go to the Middle East and most mosques have a minaret that sticks up way up high. It's the same concept, all right? 
where it's going to be high and above in every place that it, it is, can, you can be seen from there. That is under its dominion. I think it's interesting that the tallest buildings today in America are usually banks and insurance companies. Right? How many know they're the most powerful corporations? You know? And that's not bad. It's just they don't make a good God. That's all. Right? They, don't, they don't qualify to be Lord. Right? So a curse often comes as a result of judgment. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 28, that's exactly what we see. Over 50 verses. You break the law. Here's the curses that can come. Now, we just read about how an iniquity can be inherited. Third and fourth generation. Here's the rest of it. All right. But showing mercy to thousands or literally to a thousand generations to those that love me and keep my commandment. So an iniquity can go three or four generations. But a blessing can go how far? A thousand generations. Right? So the blessing is so much more powerful than what the curse is, right? than what the iniquity is. Now, we don't understand it in part simply because we don't think generationally. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But listen to 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which was first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is also in you. That faith right there started in grandma, was in mother, and now he said it's in you. Right, right there we see three generations. Right? So some blessings pass generationally. Sometimes curses pass generationally. Deuteronomy 28, we see the penalty of disobedience brings a curse. And it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, the statutes which I command you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed will you be in the city, cursed will you be in the country, cursed will be your basket and your kneading bowl. That has to do with your finances and your business. Cursed will be the fruit of your body, the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall be you when you go in, cursed shall you be when you go out. Malachi 3, you've robbed me. You're cursed with a curse because you've robbed me, even the whole nation. Malachi 3, verse 9. And you, you'll look down and you see what happens. The enemy comes in, the devil, he comes in to steal, to kill, and to destroy as a result of the curse. Right? Now, what we want is we just want the blessing. Right? But both are real. The curse is real. The blessing is real. Now, let me just say this about the blessing. God does not give you a bless. Right? He gives you blessings. Right? Blessing is like, they're like grapes. Right? You don't find a cluster of one grape. Right? And when blessing comes, it comes like grapes. They come in clusters. It's always blessings. Blessing. Right? It's like you're fishing. It's not like you just throw it in one time. Right? You're ing. Right? God is blessing. Right? Now, it doesn't mean, somebody said, well, there's a curse. What does that mean? Does that mean God doesn't love me? No. The curse is there to show you that you're, you're disobedient, to show you you need to repent and come to God. The law was given as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, to show us we need a Savior. So, they, curses can pass generationally. Curses can come because of disobedience. All right? And thirdly, curses can come because of opposition 
to Abraham's seed. Right? Now, I'm just going to give you one verse on this, but there's, there's many verses. I'm going to take you to Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. And I want to remind you that these two verses are the two most important verses in the entire Old Testament. And without understanding these two verses, you really do not even understand God's plan for the end time. Right? Now, here's what God said. He said, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, now I, I want you to notice who's going to be blessed. All of the families of the earth are going to be blessed. All right, Because God thinks in terms of families or in terms of generations. But notice he said, I will curse those who curse you. You can bring a curse on yourself by opposing Israel and opposing the Jewish people. God has made promises to the Jewish people and to the nation of Israel. And God is going to keep those promises. And the devil believes that if he can stop the Jewish people, particularly eliminate the Jewish people and the nation of Israel, he can keep God from fulfilling his promises. All right? So, what has he done? Well, way back with Pharaoh, he had all the baby boys thrown into the river. We have Haman, who tries to, com- tries to commit an entire genocide of the, Je- of the Jewish people. Only 70 years ago, we had Adolf Hitler trying to have a genocide of the Jewish people. Kill over 6 million Jewish people. All right? Why? Because they're demonically motivated. Why? The devil hates the Jewish people because God has promises to the Jewish people that he is fulfilling and is going to continue to fulfill. Now, I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. Now listen, Abraham has two seeds, two types of seeds. God said to Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants like the stars of the sky and like the sand of the sea. The stars of the sky represent his spiritual children. The sand of the sea represents his natural children. But if you oppose Israel and oppose the Jewish people, you bring a curse on yourself. So listen, and it's true individually, it's true about a nation. That's why, listen, we vote for people that stand with Israel. That's what we do. We vote for people that stand with Israel. You're saying you're being political. This is not a political issue. This is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. We stand with Israel. We love Israel. We stand with Israel. But there's a spiritual seed and there's a natural seed. Right? Uh, that's why I, I think it is so, so very, very dangerous right? when Christians criticize and come against other Christians. Right? This is what I say. Never, never criticize what God is blessing. Now, now, maybe somebody's got a different revelation than you, has a different slant than you. That's all right, right? But don't ever criticize what God is blessing, right? There are two very, very important things when it comes to breaking curses, all right? If they come generationally, if they come because of disobedience, if they come because of our opposition to Israel or the Jewish people, number one is repentance, He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. 
Right now, we confess our sins. Now, not just our sins, but we confess the sins of our nation because there can be a curse on a nation. We confess the sins of our parents. You say, why would we do that? Well, Daniel in Daniel chapter 9 is praying that God will take the Jewish people that are in captivity and bring them back to Jerusalem. And it's interesting. He doesn't just confess his sins. He confesses the sins of the nation before God. When Nehemiah is praying, he's he's been fasting and praying, and, and literally he's been praying about this issue for four months at this point. He says, God, be attentive to my prayer. He says, for the children of Israel, your servants, and we confess the sins of the children of Israel which they have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. All right? He, he confesses the sins of his parents. He confesses his sins and the sins of his nation. Right? When a sin is generational, it needs to be confessed generationally. Right? When a, a nation sins, we need to confess the sins of our nation. When it's a personal sin, we personally confess that sin. Now, remember that God thinks generationally. That's how God thinks. When God spoke to Abraham, he said, I'm going to bring your descendants out of Egypt in the fourth generation. When Jesus talked about his return, he said, this generation will not pass away until all of these things come to pass. In Matthew chapter 1, it says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David to the captivity of Babylon are 14 generations. From the captivity of Babylon to Christ are 14 generations. Now, we tend to think in terms of days and months and years, right? We look at the moon, we look at, at, at the sun, and we look at stellar movement, and we have our calendar. But God does not think like that, right? God thinks generationally. He said it's 14 generations and 14 generations and 14 generations, and this generation will not pass away. And in the fourth generation, I'm going to come and I'm going to bring your people out. God thinks generationally. God divides time by generation. It's a system not based on the sun or the moon. It's a system based on people, all right? 14 generations from Abraham to David, 800 years. From David to the captivity, 450 years. From the captivity to Christ, 580 years. God wasn't thinking in terms of years. He's thinking in terms of generations, right? God says, my blessing will go to a thousand generations. Now, you and I live in the most individualistic society the world has ever seen, and we don't think generationally, right? But God does. And spiritual blessing and spiritual curse comes generationally, right? We need to change the way that we think. Lamentations 5, our fathers sinned and are no more, but we bear their iniquity. They did it, but we've got the, we've got the results. We've got the results, all right? So first of all is repentance, Now, secondly, Galatians 3, verse 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Now, he redeemed us. From the curse of the law, from the penalty of the law. Now, Habakkuk 2.4 says the just shall live by faith. But concerning the law, it says those who do these things shall live by them. 
So you can live by rules and regulations, or you can live by faith. But if you live under the law and you break the law, there is the curse of the law, and Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, the curse of the law in its fullest extent is found in Deuteronomy 28, and we aren't going to go through the whole thing. I'm just going to give you a few things that are in the curse, all right? Vexation, rashes, seizures, confusion, panic, dysentery, pestilence that cleaves to you from which you cannot be healed, consumption, cancer, fever, infections, hemorrhoids, incurable diseases, uh, an itch from which you cannot be cured, senility, insanity, blindness, fear, panic, tumors, ulcers. All right. Part of the curse is you will not be able to be successful in life. Boils from head to foot, malignant sores, perpetual plagues on you and your children. And listen to this. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book. Right. So part of the curse of law is every sickness and every plague in the book and the other part is every sickness and every plague that's not in the book so if you've got all of them that are not in the book and all of them that are in the book I mean that's all of them right that's all of them along with just a few of those other things that we read because there's a whole bunch more right it says Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law having become a curse for you know how did he redeem you second Peter chapter one you were redeemed, not with corruptible things like silver or gold, from the vain conversation, literally lifestyle, received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. That's how you were redeemed. How is the curse broken? It's broken by the blood of Jesus. That's how it's broken. Now, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that we've come to Mount Zion to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. And it says, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. And you, you may not know this, the first two people that were ever born, Cain and Abel, Cain killed Abel. And when he killed him, he buried him. And this is what God said. He said, his blood cries out to me from the ground. And God punished him and put a curse on him because his blood demanded a curse. Right? But Jesus' blood, Jesus took his blood, the book of Hebrews says, and took it into heaven. And God has a tabernacle in heaven. Moses made a copy of it, it says. And Jesus took that blood and he put it and he sprinkled it on the mercy seat in heaven. And that blood is speaking. And it does not demand a curse. That blood says, Father, have mercy on them. Father, forgive them. Father, bless them. It doesn't demand a curse. It demands, it's crying out right now for a blessing for you and for me. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith. Now, Romans 3, verse 25. Listen carefully. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. Again. So Jesus is a propitiation. And again, that, that if, if you don't go to church, you will probably not even know what a propitiation is. You go to church, you don't know what a propitiation is. You know, it's not like you go to Myers and say, where's the propitiation aisle? Right? 
Other translations say sacrifice, right? Or mercy seat. Whom God has set forth to be a sacrifice, listen, through faith in his blood. How do you break a curse? First, you repent. And secondly, you realize Jesus redeemed you from the curse by his blood. His blood broke the power of the curse off your life. And if that curse is there, you need to put your faith in the blood and you need to speak to that curse. First you repent, and then you speak to it. You speak to that curse. And we're going to talk, in, a, in two weeks, we're going to talk about how you receive a blessing and how so often a blessing comes as a result of speech. God says, you shall bless them and you shall say. All right? All right? You say for a blessing. All right? You speak it. But the same thing, you need to speak to that curse. And you say, by the power of the blood of Jesus, I have faith in that blood that it redeemed me, and I break that curse in Jesus' name. I don't know what curse it is, but you, you can go through Deuteronomy 28. You can find a whole bunch of them. Right? You find it, it's trespassing because you've been redeemed. Jesus' blood paid for that thing to be broken off your life. Right? So again, how do you break that curse? Repentance. And then you speak with faith in his blood. Because it is through faith in his blood. You, you, you realize generational, generational curses, they pass down through the bloodline. But it is Jesus' blood that breaks that generational curse. It's Jesus' blood that redeems you from the penalty of being guilty under the law. Romans 3.20, let me close with this, says that no one has ever been made right with God by obeying the law. Think about that. That's how most of it, we, we want to earn our salvation. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what good thing must I do to be saved, to have eternal life? He wanted to earn it. But let me just tell you, you can't earn it. It's a gift through faith in his blood, that his blood paid for your sin and my sin, that his blood paid for every curse to be broken off your life. You know, God wants you to be totally blessed. And the greatest blessing that he has for you is to forgive your sins and make you a part of his family. If you're away from God today or you need to get right with God, I want to invite you right now to bow your head and to pray this prayer from your heart. Say this, make these words yours. You say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins and I believe he rose again. I receive him today as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you, you've heard my prayer, that I'm forgiven, my past is gone, and I am your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching Walking by Faith. Walking by Faith is made possible in part by the generous gifts of our viewers. If you would like to contribute to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ through this program, please contact us at Walking by Faith. 5120 Ivan Rest Avenue Southwest, Granville, Michigan, 49418.